Now, I realise that I am amongst some very astute people here, and I am aware, as you are, that Reverend Peter Edwards preached on Mark chapter 6, the second half of verse 6 to 13 recently on the topic of being sent to heal. So if you have a feeling of deja vu this morning, that is why. Uh, but please don't be concerned that we've been caught up in a loop and we can't get out of Mark. We can. But I think there's something important that we need to learn this morning. You'll have noticed in the New Testament reading that it's been split into two different parts. Uh, that is deliberate. I chose it to be read like that. But having said that, uh, I will be majoring on the three verses from the latter part of that reading. So verses 30 to 32. However, the first part of that reading helps to set the scene, and that's why I decided to include it. We are entering what I consider to be a very important time in the life of the church, a time of rest. You will notice from your copy of Outlook that the vast majority of excellent ministries and activities that are carried out by this church are having a break during August. And so it is a rare thing indeed for a minister to say in front of their congregation, I am pleased that the Bible study and the prayer meeting and the choir and our children and youth leaders and sanctuary aren't meeting for the month of August. I say that here today. It is a good thing. And before you think I've taken leave of my senses, I do believe that this is a very sensible move. And I also believe that August is the Sabbath of the church, which obviously has a very sound theological basis. Do not fret. These activities will resume in September, of course. But let's not race ahead of ourselves. Let us focus on the importance of this season to rest. So let's begin with Mark's gospel. In the first part of the reading, we know that Jesus sent out his disciples on a mission. And it sounds absolutely fabulous. It sounds like they were extremely successful because verses 12 and 13 tell us that they preached, they drove out demons, they anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. And so it goes without saying that they would have had a very active and successful ministry. And I'm kind of guessing that they must have felt very, very fulfilled. And they must have been feeling on top of the world when they came back to Jesus. Now, Mark's gospel takes a little excursion in that story, and we learn of the fate of John the Baptist. So when the story of the disciples resumes, we pick it up at their return to Jesus. And what we have there is the picture of disciples wanting to share their stories and adventures. 
Yet, Mark tells us, they are surrounded by massive crowds. And this precious time with Jesus was interrupted constantly. So much so that they didn't even have time to eat. Well, how did the disciples feel about that? Well, I don't know. But I could tell you how I would have felt, and I wouldn't have been best pleased. Let's, let's say no more than that. The interruptions are so frequent, they didn't even have time to eat. You know, when you're too busy to eat, you're too busy. There's a humorous phrase based on al fresco. You may be familiar with it. It's called al desco. And it's defined as eating your lunch while you're working at your desk because you ain't got time for a lunch break. Al desco. I don't know how many of you have done it, but you're looking at one here, okay? Shouldn't do it. Shouldn't do it. And it must happen an awful lot because they've got a phrase for it, okay? So this is quite a widespread activity. So the disciples don't have time to eat. Jesus notices this and actually notices it when we do it as well, yeah? And he responds, thankfully, by taking the initiative. Thinking they needed or deserved a rest, he suggests that they move to a solitary place. Note here, it is his idea that it is time for the disciples to take it easy. Because the reality of the situation is that the disciples are tired. Yes, they are tired from their mission. And Jesus says to his disciples three things, and they're very simple. Come with me to a quiet place and rest. And I'm pretty sure that he says that to us on occasions. But maybe we're too busy to hear or listen. Only you can answer that. Now, can I just share something here? I have found it very interesting, but actually what I mean is, I have found it extremely frustrating when consulting biblical commentaries in preparation for today. And I've been frustrated because the majority of writers, when commenting on Mark chapter 6 from verse 30 to the end of chapter, completely ignore verses 30 to 32. And if they think that's because they're not important, then I'm sorry, I disagree. Let me give you an example of one commentary I read. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 52. The title, The Return of the Disciples, good, good, and Two Nature Miracles. 
The writer begins, we come now to two remarkable nature miracles. Well, we do eventually, but actually there's this important rest. And the commentator launches straight into the feeding of the 5,000 and completely bypasses this wonderful pastoral concern of Jesus towards his disciples. Why is that? I'm not entirely sure, but I'm guessing that our human nature is caught up with the haste in which we are drawn to the spectacular important though it is. But being drawn to the spectacular can detract us from the unspectacular detail, which is equally important here. What Jesus does here is to remind the disciples of their humanity. Yes, we are made in the image of God, but we are flesh and bone. The disciples had been giving in their ministry all the time, just giving out. They were excited, and rightly so, but they were tired as well. Donald English wrote this wonderful, wonderful sentence. Jesus helped them to face their humanity without being ashamed of it. Jesus helped them to face their humanity without being ashamed of it. And in a world where busyness is seen as a virtue, I believe we do well to remember those words. You cannot keep going endlessly. It isn't healthy for one respect. And Donald continues, the disciples needed quiet and recreation and more opportunities to learn. So do we. When I was taking my O-levels, and I realized that that phrase dates me, there was an agony aunt at the time called Marjorie Proops, which dates me as well. And I remember my dad telling me that she had written an open letter to the newspaper that she was writing for. And it was a letter for parents whose, whose family were taking exams. I was 16 taking my O-levels. And Marjorie wrote that in between times of revision, Parents must ensure that we include times of activity. Well, says me, as a 16-year-old, if Marjorie Proops recommends it, then that's good enough for me. Uh, although, to be honest, uh, I didn't need much persuasion to put my geography revision down and pick my tennis racket up. But I thought, if Marjorie Proops and my dad recommend it, then that's good for me. But there is a sense in which if someone gives you permission to stop working for a while, it feels different, doesn't it? Someone's made that decision for you. You can relax about it. 
It puts a different complexion on things. And for me, that's what Jesus is doing here. He is giving permission for the disciples to rest. Now, William Barclay writes about the rhythm of the Christian life. Just as you can't work without rest, you cannot live the Christian life effectively unless you give yourself times with God. Because the danger is if we neglect that, we give God no opportunity whatsoever to speak to us because we do not practice the discipline, and yes, it is a discipline, to know how to be still and to listen. We give God no time to recharge us with spiritual energy and strength because we do not set aside time to wait upon him. And Barclay asks a series of questions, and you will be familiar with them, but sometimes we need to be reminded. Well, certainly I need to be reminded. How can we shoulder life's burdens if we have no contact with him who is the Lord of all good life? How can we do God's work unless in God's strength? And how can we receive that strength unless we seek in quietness and in loneliness the presence of God? But if you prefer images, and I like images, Anne Long, in her book, Listening, invites us to imagine a lake sparkling like a blue jewel in the sun. The bright, reflected images of trees, rocks, and sky are as clear as a mirror. But the lake has an outlet where its water flows out and an inlet where fresh water enters. And she makes the observation that with no outlet, the water would become dirty and stagnant. And with no inlet, there would be no fresh supply of water. It is the two-way movement of the water which ensures its freshness. And so the message this morning is not, you must rest in the Lord in August or else. In Ecclesiastes, it remembers there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, and that includes rest. So it's not say rest or else, but rather to take this opportunity to heed the Lord's invitation, to spend time with him. Let him bless you. Enjoy God. How do you enjoy God? Because he isn't just concerned about what you do. He's very, very concerned about you 
Actually, it's, it's a lot stronger than that. Zephaniah 3.17 reminds us, God takes great delight in you and he rejoices over you with singing. And I appreciate the tension between rest and activity. It's easier, it's easier said than done. I, I am aware of that. As a deacon, I am an ordained minister and I'm part of a religious order. As such, I have a rule of life. But I still struggle with maintaining the balance between being and doing. Because the doing very often overtips the balance too many times. And yet it is true for all of us that prayer and resting in the Lord prepare us for mission. But ultimately, prayer and resting in the Lord nurtures us as individuals. Now, one person I know who modeled finding time, space, and prayer, even when others were making demands of him, was Jesus. If Jesus needed that time, we need it much more. And finally, we move from the idea of individual to corporate and to the church. The church is having a season of rest in August. It's good for us to remember the work is not ours, it's God's. Jesus had no problem in delegating. He didn't feel he needed to do everything himself. If we slow down, take time to listen, he will guide us and he will enable us so that we can share what God is doing. And so I close with our final illustration. <clears throat> I don't know if we have any American football fans uh, out in the car. I am one. Uh, so you will, uh, we have another there. Thank you. Um, but just a little bit about American football. In American football, uh, each football team has three timeouts in a half, and they normally, in a very, very, thank you, yeah, that's the one, in a very, very loud stadium, you can't shout, time out, you just do that, okay? Time out. A time out is a chance to stop the game, to enable the team to regroup and rethink the team's strategy. Christian ministry is demanding. Christian ministry is draining. Therefore, we need to have our moments of rest when we remind ourselves why we are doing what we are doing. And we allow the Lord to call us again to the task or... We allow God to direct us to some other expression of ministry. Martin has already said this morning, he's invited you to pray 
about your discipleship role in advance of the 1st of September. We're not going to come round to you individually on the 1st of September and get some feedback, but it's a good thing. You've got this opportunity. And so I would encourage you to do that. Embrace August as a season of rest because God is giving you permission to stop and rest on your journey. Amen.